Well, as our families are headed out, they're going to dedicate, uh, they're going to check in their children and, and uh, to the kids ministry, or if you want to hold on to your child, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, man, we're glad you made it this morning. Thank you, grandparents, for being here. Thank you for aunts and uncles and everybody else who said, hey, we're, we want to be a part of that moment. We want to be a part of what God's doing in that moment in our family's life. And so I appreciate you leaving your your normal Sunday place of worship to be here this morning together with us. It truly is an honor to have you in our space this morning. Um, I'm going to try to do my best to act a little a little tame this morning because I know that we do have a lot of guests here this morning. And if I don't do so, then then I'm going to be in a heap of trouble for sure. So I want to make sure that we do that. Um, but. Man, it is, it is great to have you. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be there. Uh, at Luminous Church, we believe in the Word of God. We believe in the Bible. We believe that, that God speaks through His Word, that it is the uh, lifeline for us um, as we are redeemed and saved by Jesus and what He has done for us on the cross and the power of the resurrection, giving us power to life. We believe that the word, the word helps sustain us. It's the daily manna, if you will, that we read and we want to be about. And so our hope and our prayer this morning is that the word would become life to us. Now, I have a question for you. This is, uh, this is a, uh, a poll for us this morning, a poll. How many of you would be self-diagnosed ADHD, ADD? Uh, can you put your hand up? You're just self-diagnosed. You don't have a real diagnosis, but you know it's really hard for you to focus. It's hard for you to concentrate. It's hard for you to uh, walk in step, right? You're jumping up and down constantly. It's hard for you to pay attention, to make eye contact, whatever it may be, ADD. I have a confession. I am a self-diagnosed ADD individual. Now, my wife has helped with this diagnosis. Uh, other, other family members have helped with this diagnosis. My friends have helped me with this diagnosis. You, the church, have helped me with this diagnosis. Uh, it's been really hard to look at you in the eyes and, and pay attention to what is going on. Uh, you know, the, the, the characteristics, if you're ADD or you know somebody who is, you, you know their characteristics, right? They're impulsive, have a super impulsive behavior, right? They're easily distracted. Come on, teachers are waving. Yes, you know me. You know me. My wife's a teacher. She may have some of these children in her class. Uh, they, they sometimes lead to poor decision making because they're, they're ready Ready, fire, aim type people, right? <laughs> and so sometimes it's poor decision making. Sometimes they overspend the budget by sometimes almost always. They're, they're the ones who are going to spend until there's no more money in the bank account. And then they're going to see if they can float a negative for just a couple of days. They often, they often move to interruption and interrupting conversations and people and all those things. I'm thankful for family service. Any kids in here? Any kids? Yeah, yeah, okay, a few kids. So family service is an opportunity for our children to see the way that we worship, the way that we do life, um, the way that we hear the word. Um, you know, in some congregational settings, uh, kids are a little more tame than ours. Ours are not used to being in here, so they're jumping up and down. So it makes my ADD even 
worse. Well, praise God, we're going we're gonna to really communicate three things this morning through John chapter 15. And with being ADD, I want to use a different acronym for that. And I would use this acronym, Attention Disobedient Disorder. Attention Disobedient Disorder. As we reflect in John chapter 15, we're going to see what it means to abide in Christ. And we're going to see... How sometimes we may be disobedient in our walking and abiding. How many know that's true? You know, some of us in this room may have a little bit of ADD from the standpoint of attention deficit. But I would say all of us have at some point had the ADD of the attention disobedient disorder. Can I get an amen? Well, maybe you've been a little distracted, so it's our hope as a church that we move you into a place of truly abiding. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 11, Jesus is talking about the disciples' relationship to Christ. Right after this, in John 15, it's the relationship to one another. And then lastly, if you were to read this this week in 18 through 27, it's the disciples relationship to the world. But we want to talk about the disciples relationship to Christ this morning in verse one. You can follow along with me if you have your Bibles or it will be on the screen. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The characters that we see that were just read, we read about the vine dresser who is the father, our God in heaven. We read about the vine who is who is the analogy or allegory here of, of Jesus. We read about the branches, which is us. And then we read about this character's quest, the us in this story and where we're trying to go. And the quest is to abide in the trophy is fruit. This is what God has called us to do. This is what he has for us. And if you're taking notes, the first thing that we need to note is we need to abide in Christ. We need to abide in Christ. When he's speaking, he's saying, I am the 
true vine. We are in a day and age, and it's been this way for quite some time ever since the age of enlightenment, where all of a sudden we want to make up our own truth. What is true to me? It's something that we falsely misguide younger people in, where we say, you need to find your truth. It, 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 it's actually a disservice to young people to send them on a journey to find their own truth. For you already know the truth. The truth has already set you free. The truth is already written in the word. We believe as Christians there's an absolute truth. It's not relevant. It's never changing. It's always consistent. And it's the truth that we are to remain in and abide in. Amen, church? As a mentor, as a father, as a godfather, as a spiritual father, spiritual mother, godmother, as you're leading people, I want to caution Luminous Church, I want to caution the church worldwide that we would not lead young people to find their own truth. I feel like that's going to be disruptive in their life, and we've seen the effects of that in our culture, haven't we? We've seen the effects of that in our own life. You see, if you've lived any amount of years like I have, like you have, you reflect on your life of the days and years of searching and seeking trying to find exactly what your purpose is and your identity and who God made you to be. You're looking for that. You're trying to find it. You're asking the questions. And all you're really hoping for at the end of the day is somebody. Could somebody just tell me which way to go? How many of you know that we come to church oftentimes? We bring people to church. We bring family members and neighbors and coworkers and we Bring the people that we love the most to church because we want them to discover the truth that we know inside. We want to introduce them to the Christ we know, for the Christ we know is the one who's given us our very definition and very essence to life and how to live. That's why some of you came this morning because you came searching and seeking. What is the meaning of life? I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had, I know you have had as well, where people are constantly trying to find out the meaning of life. What is this really, truly all about? I've counseled and discipled many people as well as you, I know you have, where you're sitting down with young people and they're asking this question, and so their answer oftentimes is compromise. Compromise. I don't know the meaning of life, so I'm going to compromise my body. I'm going to compromise my language. I'm going to compromise my thought life. I'm going to compromise who I go out with, my friendships. I'm going to compromise my finances. I'm going to compromise my time because I still don't know. I still have no idea. Abide in Christ. Jesus says in verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it 
abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. A fruitful life is an abiding life. If you want your life to count, make sure that you're abiding in Christ. If you want your life to be anything of worth, make sure that you're abiding in the vine. Make sure you're attached. Make sure that you're, you're grafted in. You see, a, a fruitless branch is an unattached branch. One that doesn't bear fruit means it was never attached, maybe to begin with. See, a fruitful life is one that is, is, is in the vine, and we all have role models, and we all look up to people. We're in the culture of networking and building relationships and trying to get our LinkedIn way up there, right? You know, we just want to be seen by the CEO. We want to be seen by somebody. So we're constantly networking and we're constantly strategically leveraging relationships. But are the people you're looking up to and the people you're networking with and the people that are years ahead of you, are they attached? Are they attached? Is there fruit in their life? Is there something meaningful in their life? This is something that I decided when I was very young. That there was men around me. And they were oftentimes pastors who would come into the church and preach. And they would impart a word and give me insight into their life on how they treat their spouse. How they raise their children. What they do with their finances. How they spend time with the word. And I would look up to those men. I, I would say, I would sit there. Just like you're sitting there this morning, and I've sat there as well, and I'll sit there again. And I'd look at the person speaking. I said, God, I, I want to live a life like that. I want to raise my children like that. I want to love my wife like that. Men who are in their 50s, 60s, 70-year-old, still evangelizing on an airplane when they're going from destination to destination instead of trying to hide some secret life. Men, men who would sit there and talk about how they would make these milestone moments with their children and say, hey, at 13, we're going on a trip. And this is your rite of passage. This is when you become from a boy to a man. It's a moment you grow up. Men who said, hey, I'm going to take my daughter out oftentimes and I'm going to sit with her and I'm going to treat her as a man should treat her when she's ready to get married. I'm going to wine and dine without the wine because she's underage. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to treat them well. Men who have gone 40, 50 years of faithful marriage, never committing adultery, looking at their wife, sitting there in front of the Eiffel Tower, staring in each other's eyes, taking a glimpse at the Eiffel Tower as they're sipping their coffee and tea and explaining in a moment when they're on stage what we have right here. You don't get to overnight. The moment that we share right now, it doesn't happen overnight. There's not even enough words to explain that moment of faithfulness of 40 years of marriage. 
where you're going through grief and you're going through pain and you're going through celebrations and you're getting job transferred and you're raising your children and they're going wayward and then they're coming back and you're walking down your daughter down the aisle at, at her wedding and, and all these moments that are happening and, and when you're sitting there 40 years or how many years you have with them, you can't even use the words to explain it. I look at these men and I look how they have honored their life and abided with Christ in and, and have abided in the vine. I said, I want that. I was 18 years old in college, 19 years old. I want that. I was a junior in high school seeing my youth pastor worship with his hands in the air. I said, I want to worship like that man. Because when he worships, there's like something going on between him and God. I don't know what it is, but I want to figure it out because I want that in my life. You see, this is what it means to abide in Christ. When you abide in Christ, it sustains you and brings a fruitful life. Everybody say fruitful. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. That's everything. In him we live and move and have our being. I don't want to live without him. I don't want to move without him. And I'm nothing without him. The second thing we see is we must abide in Christ, but we must abide in his word. Verse 7, as Jesus talking to the disciples, says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is the moment where Jesus is lifting up the logos, the written word of God. He's lifting it up and he's saying, here's the word of God, the written word of God, and here's the rhema. The rhema, the revelation, the word of God, the audible word of God that you hear. And I'm going to tell you, as you abide in his word, you abide in the logos. What happens? It abides in you. And as a result, it stirs up this faith where you're more in tune with the rhema word, the audible word, the spoken word that is spoken to you. And it's like the more you spend time with the Lord in the Bible, the more that he speaks and the more that faith swells in you. And it's the privilege of every yielded believer. The privilege of every yielded person in Christ has the privilege to approach the word, the Logos, and begin to receive the rhema and begin to see this faith increase in their life. Abide in his word. Abide in his word. Oftentimes in Christianity, in our walk with God, in our walk, we, we are looking to be entertained. Entertain us, right? Uh, I hope the preacher says something funny today. And I hope I do too. Uh, Entertain us. I hope the worship team's on point today. Entertain us. And the sad reality, and I just would hopefully have you contemplate this, 
The reality that I see is we're in a culture that says entertain us. Social media says entertain me. TikTok says entertain me. Your IG reel says entertain me, entertain me, entertain me. Where you start building an entertaining mindset. We bring this into our relationships, our dating relationships. Entertain me. Entertain me. Bring it into our marriages and the broken expectations. Entertain me. We bring it in with our children. Enter, entertain me. I am trying to gratify something in myself. Entertain me. When we abide in the word, sometimes we say, Lord, entertain us. But I think oftentimes what the Lord say, quit enjoying entertainment, but start enjoying intimacy. In your dating relationships, quit trying to be entertained. Try to build something intimate. With your kids, quit trying to be entertained. Try to build something intimate. With your marriage, Quit trying to be entertained and gratifying yourself. Try to build something intimate. We go to worship concerts or concerts in general, and here we, here we are in the concert with our phone. I got to capture this moment because I have to post it later. I have to capture it so I can post it later. And, and every psychologist would say when you do that, what happens is you are moving to a place of multitasking. So instead of being in the moment, you're trying to film the moment. So you miss out on the moment altogether. What an illusion for us. Could we just be present? Could we be there? Could we enjoy the relationship? Could we enjoy the Lord? Could we enjoy that moment? I would rather capture it with my mind and my heart and my affection than I would from some historical data that I'll go back and look on. But I didn't really get the power of the moment. It's why it's so hard for us to abide in the word. Because we're missing the power of the moment. The power of his word. This is his word. These are his words. Christ talking to us. Giving us insight. The last thing we need to do, we need to abide in his love. To be fruitful is to remain faithful. In verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. A fruitful Christian is one who remains in the vine where you have remained. You have decided, I'm going to remain. I'm going to remain in the vine. I want Christ to be ultimately magnified in my life. I want him to be a big deal in my life. I want him to be the center of everything. I want to love him and I want to be loved by him. Because when I am fully loved, I can love others. I can fully love others. And as Aaron comes to close us this morning, it says in verse 11, as we conclude, it says, 
These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Full. You see, when we abide in Christ, when we abide in his word, when we abide in love, what happens is our cup gets full. It gets full. This word full is just pouring over. That's how full it gets. How many coffee drinkers in here? Anybody drinks coffee? And when you go get that refill, you go get the refill and you say, there it is. I'm ready for a refill. Did it this morning. And they always respond with, do you you want room in there? And I said, no, I don't want room in there. Fill it up. Fill it all the way up. I need it. I need to fill that cup up with the goodness of coffee. And I think the hard part of us is the attention disobedient disorders as we may have been stepping in disobedience. When we go get a refill, we say, yeah, leave some room in there because I want to put some cream and I want to put some sugar. I want to put something else in there. And I think oftentimes we approach God like that, where it's like, God, uh, fill me up, but don't fill me up all the way because I still want some room for me. I still want some room for my stuff. I still want some room for the thing that's going to destroy you. I need, I need something. I need some of that stuff in my life. So don't fill me all the way up. Just fill me halfway. Yeah, fill it up halfway. What about our life? When we're approaching Jesus and we're abiding, he says, I'm going to fill you with the fullness of joy. I'm going to fill you with the fullness of my glory and my power. I'm going to fill you with all of me. You don't need to add something else. I am the secret ingredient. I am the thing that makes the cup overflow. And I want to fill you in such a way. Church, if you would stand with me this morning. And I think it would be appropriate before Alyssa comes up and closes out. We're going to sing this song, Christ Be Magnified. I'm just asking, maybe you came in a little empty. Maybe you're at the counter with your cup, and maybe you're like, I need a refill, Lord. I need a refill, Lord. God, I need a refill. I've been so empty. This is your moment to get all the way full. This is your moment to get filled up. This is a moment where you would be overflowing. So, Jesus, we glorify you. We magnify you. Lord, you see every discouraged soul in this place. You see everybody who's having a hard time, a difficult time, where pain is evident. But, Lord, you say, I've come to fill you. I've come to fill you. Abide in Christ. Abide in his word. Abide in his love, church. Today, would we abide in his love as we sing this song. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Fill us up. We love you. Let's sing this out, church.